Hello and welcome to Social Deconstruction with Pamela Zabala. The title of this episode is The Aesthetics of Wellness. In this episode, I talk to anti-diet dietitian, nutritionist, recipe developer, and journalist Christine Byrne. We talk about wellness, diet culture, influencers, and the popular messaging we hear around health and well-being. Enjoy. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so glad to be here with you, Christine. Um, you are what? Tell us what what you do. Oh, I should have worked on my elevator pitch before this. I am a non-diet dietitian, and mm-hmm. I work with people who have eating disorders. I'm also a journalist. So I was a journalist first. Mm-hmm. I write about wellness, nutrition, mm-hmm. bodies, and then I became a dietitian. And so I write about it, and I do it in counseling with people. Okay. And what was that transition like? For, or what, what made you want to transition from journalism to nutrition? And then I also saw on your website that at one point you were a cook in a restaurant. I was. So the through line seems to be food and how yeah. people talk about and work with or exist around food. So what was that transition like for you? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I feel like I've had three careers, but it, it sort of does. There's a through line there. Yeah. It's more pivoting than totally changing. I graduated from undergrad in 2000 actually 2009, Mm -hmm. bad time to graduate (laughs) as an English major with no no. real idea of what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I went to culinary school, just this short nine month thing in the evenings. And then I started working in a restaurant. I always liked food. And I think I started doing that with the goal of like being a food writer of Mm. some kind. I always wanted to be a writer. That's really been like my only aspiration ever. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Like even when I was just, that's all I remember ever wanting to be. And I did the line cook thing for two, three years. Kind of liked a lot of it, Mm -hmm. but just that's not a way to live forever (laughs) is sort of how I felt. Okay. And I had a friend who worked in food media and I did some freelance writing for her. And then she sort of one day, I don't know if she was serious or not, but she was like, Hey, if you ever want a job, like we should talk. Mm. So I think immediately I was like, I do, (laughs) I do want a job. I want to get out of here. And then that took a few months, which felt like an eternity then. But I started working at BuzzFeed as a food writer and a recipe developer and sort of transitioned into nutrition Mm -hmm. in sort of an icky way, Mm -hmm. actually, like really like not I say icky now, but just really that like clean eating kind of like super diet culture-y stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was really popular at the time. So so everyone I worked with was like, yeah, keep doing that. Like it's really working. Mm -hmm. The more I did it, Mm -hmm. which... We can talk about this later, but the deeper you dig into that clean eating stuff mm-hmm. and the nutrition stuff and the diet stuff, you're like, ooh, this is, this like doesn't quite add up. Mm-hmm. Like this all doesn't, we're telling people to do these things and telling them that there will be this very expected outcome mm-hmm. and it just doesn't really work that way. So mm. I kind of started looking for something else. This job at Self Magazine came up and that was right when Self had folded their print magazine and they were moving to all digital. And so it was kind of like this big rebrand and there was this big question of what, well, what is wellness? Like, Mm -hmm. what are we really talking about when we say healthy eating? Like, what do we even mean by that? And so that conversation got going and it turns out like, we don't really know what we mean by that because it's different for everyone. And sure, it means like, fruits and vegetables but what what does that mean it also means food access and right and mental health and cultural relevance and all that kind of thing so 
that is that's sort of what brought me to now I think Mm -hmm. I did that for a while wrote about food and nutrition in this sort of new way of like oh this isn't as prescriptive as maybe we used to think Mm -hmm. and then one day I was like I do not want to work in this industry anymore Mm -hmm. I just I was sort of ready to leave New York at least for a while Mm -hmm. and I was like what else could I do with the skills that I have and so I had worked with a lot of pretty cool dietitians who did eating disorder work and mm-hmm. non-diet work and worked with like body image therapists. And I was like, maybe that is the next thing. Yeah. And I can, I can do both. I can still do writing, but I can have my own business and also see people and right. actually have that like really good balance. I'm saying this now. I'm not sure I quite knew it then mm-hmm. of writing for big groups of people and then seeing people one-on-one so those are like two totally different things yeah and I just thought maybe it'd be nice to have both for sure and then (laughs) I embarked well I quit my job I moved to North Carolina two days later I started yeah I started the prerequisites at Durham Tech Uh Community College two days after that so I really just dove into that was a very quick turnaround it really was (laughs) um I'm pretty impulsive I mean I think mostly it serves me well, but like once I decide to do something, it's like, oh no, we're doing it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I'm kind of like that, except it's like a three month long impulsivity. <laughs> well, that's still pretty short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll like decide to do something, and then I'll get really intense about it. Mm-hmm. But I'm still such a planner that I still need to spend like give myself all the time to do the research and figure things out. But it's more of a like decision and then deep dive and then. But I, I, that's a very quick turnaround. Yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, I had, it wasn't like in three days I decided this. I had sort of thought about it already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I gave my job six weeks notice. Yeah. So there was some, but yeah, it was quick. And then I sort of like put a lot of eggs in the UNC basket, like mm-hmm. hoping that I would get in. And luckily I did. Mm-hmm. And then, so all in all with the prereqs and grad school and all the supervised clinical hours that I had to do mm-hmm. it was three and a half years okay. so for someone who is impulsive and impatient like that felt like a really long time <laughs> oh I wish I was in a three-year program <laughs> <laughs> yeah PhD uh, would not it is sit no. well with me no meanwhile I just finished my fourth year and I'm like I should be graduating yeah. if I was in any other program I would be done by now yeah. but I'm not Uh, So what really struck me about the kind of narrative that you told me about how you got into all of this is that you were kind of able to witness this transition sort of in how people think about health and wellness um, or even people just starting to think a little bit more critically about health and wellness. Um, And I'd love to hear more a little bit about that, just kind of being in this industry in the middle of that change. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're in the middle of it, I don't think you realize that It's hard to know, Mm -hmm. especially like when you're working in media in New York City, that is such a bubble, Mm -hmm. right? And there's all these jokes about like how out of touch people who do that are. And they're kind of real. Like Mm. you, yeah, it's, you're talking amongst yourselves. Like you're, you're in a huge coastal city and you're having these conversations, but it's like, who knows what people who aren't here are thinking about this stuff. So it's interesting that you say like, people starting to think more critically because I think that's right. I'm not sure it was right. I don't think people were really doing that in 2016. Mm -hmm. I think it was like, of course there have always been activists doing it, Mm -hmm. but I think like the mainstream wellness conversation was still very Mm -hmm. like goop centric. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
I'd love to transition and get into what we're actually here to talk about, which is wellness. And my question is, uh, what even is that? Like, where do we even begin to think about what wellness is? So how do you think about wellness in your work? Yeah. I, it's a tough word. Mm -hmm. It's sort of become meaningless. You know, Mm -hmm. people have said it so many times in so many different ways Mm -hmm. that it, it's like, what are you saying when you say wellness? Like, Mm -hmm. what exactly do you mean? But I think what it's supposed to mean is overall well-being. So like physical health is part of it, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of all we focus on. Emotional health is part of it. Mental health is part of it social health is part of it it turns out like all those things are connected so you can't really have physical health without those other things like access is such a huge part of it Mm -hmm. and just yeah I think this overall sense of like feeling well feeling like you're capable of doing the things that you want to do and I think a sense of general happiness and fulfillment is part of it too yeah okay I like that. Um, so in preparation for this conversation, I obviously went and looked up different definitions of how people think of wellness and the general kind of like you literally type wellness into Google and say enter. And it says wellness is a state of being in good health, um, which also for me, like my brain kind of flagged it. Like what is good health? Like yeah, there's a kind of a lot that could be into that, um, especially as an actively pursued goal. So wellness kind of oriented around a goal or um, a lot of definitions kind of describe it as a a process or something that you sort of aspire to Mm. through kind of behaviors and um, just lifestyle changes and things like that. I fucking hate that. (laughs) (laughs) Just Yeah. Oh, that's so annoying. That's what they define it as. I think it's like the aspirational thing that really grinds my gears Mm. as if wellness is something that you will never achieve, but should always be aspiring to. Yeah. And that's sort of like the commercial definition of it. That's the interesting. That's the capitalism of it. We always need to be reaching and like wanting more and buying things literally to try and get to this. Oh, that's so annoying yeah and even as someone who's not in this field my but who is starting to think a little bit more broadly about all of this is my brain was like "Mm." like it's it stopped a little bit just to say like really yeah and then there's another place uh, or entity called the global wellness institute and they said it is again kind of oriented around a process but an active pursuit of activities choices and lifestyles that lead to a state of holistic health uh and then lastly i actually went and looked at my own university's wellness center Mm -hmm. because university have wellness centers and they described it as the multiple dimensions or component parts um they actually had this image of like a tree and like different branches yeah which i actually kind of liked a little better because it was it alluded to all the things that you just mentioned. It was like mental health, physical health, family and friends, like all of these other things. And their sort of metaphor was that all of the branches are needed in the tree and you need to like nurture all of it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the kind of language for the visual. Yeah. But that those are kind of the competing definitions, I think, that are written out on the internet. I like that last one better. It's mm-hmm. almost as if universities have researchers right. that come at it from multiple disciplines and right. actually talk about it. Right. Um, yeah. It's funny that, so a lot of them mention health, right, without yeah. really defining it. But I do know, I think it's the UN or maybe the World Health Organization, mm-hmm. you can fact check me, that 
did come out with a definition of health, and it's the absence of illness, which is so bizarre because who fits that? I mean, there are some people that do, but like the absence of illness, like it's just, it seems to me like, okay, that is one way to define it, but it's like really exclusionary and people have chronic illnesses. And as we get older, like we all get ill and yeah, I guess you're not perfectly healthy if you're ill, I guess, but it just, I don't know. I think that's so, so weird. Like Mm. what body is completely (laughs) absent of like any illness or ailment? Right. At least for a long amount of time because i feel like eventually everybody gets something yeah we all die yeah (laughs) the ultimate um but the yeah wow okay that's so all so all these definitions all of this messaging and i like how you said that there's kind of a capitalistic aspect to it because something that i think about a lot is that our society is obsessed with measurement and benchmarks and standards and reaching things Mm Um, like one of my favorite classes as an undergrad, I, we kind of spent a session talking about like what Fitbits do and like the obsession with like you need to count your steps in a day. And yeah. th- there was a point where we didn't count our steps in a day. Um, but it, and also the measurement thing has kind of changed a little bit because before it was like literally like, what are your measurements? And there was like the three numbers. Um, and I think it was like chest, waist, hip, something like that. Yeah. And now it's steps and at some point it became calories and, but always obsessed with counting something, measuring yeah. something, being able to graph something. Uh, that is something that I think there's a whole industry around and technology around and things like yeah. that. It's getting right. I think that's getting even more robust in a not so good way. Mm. I just, it's not out yet, but I'm writing this story about, it's a device mm-hmm. that's supposed to measure metabolic flexibility, which is this really sciencey sounding term that mm-hmm. basically means your body can alternate between mm-hmm. burning carbs for energy and mm-hmm. burning fat for energy. Okay. And the thing is that like we all do that to some extent. Mm-hmm. And most people like do it without a problem. And people who have diabetes or other sort of metabolic issues mm-hmm. can't do it as well. And the idea of this device is like you measure whether you're burning fat or whether you're burning carbs and it Mm -hmm. translates that ratio into a score. And then based on your score for the day, it spits out a meal plan for you. But it's just, (laughs) it's like this next level of numbers Yeah, and they have all these influencers promoting it and it's all like personal trainers and Mm -hmm. sort of like holistic naturopathic doctors Mm -hmm. and they're all saying these things and talking about like how great it is to have all this data and mm-hmm. how just how like having more data on yourself and your body is helpful. Mm-hmm. But they never really go into like why. Yeah. Because there isn't really a compelling reason why. Mm-hmm. It's like we are obsessed with having these numbers and feeling like we're doing something for our health and yeah. understanding ourselves better. But there's no scientific reason to do that like there's no doesn't do anything to know all that stuff right but yeah oh i hadn't thought about that wow and also i I feel like what do you do with those numbers once you have them exactly (laughs) and they have created this app that like gives you 
a meal plan based uh-huh. on that number, but it's so bullshit. Like it's there's no they're saying this as if it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is personalized. That's another thing that I think is oh, really that's big, a big right word. now because people are sort of starting to realize like, oh, this stuff doesn't work. Yeah. So then it, they just slap personalized on it. Right. It's like, oh, this is different. Like this will work now. Those are like your nooms, your Yes. And they're not personalized at all. No. They're just, it's like based on an equation that comes out the same for almost everybody, I think. Mm. But yeah, it's like they're, they're really, it won't do anything for you. But the more tech they build around it mm-hmm. and like the more numbers they put in it, it like seems legit. Yeah. As someone who used to work with Fitbit, no longer. Yeah. Uh, mostly because I lost the charger. And then once <laughs> I lost it, I realized this actually doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, these the, the, the numbers are kind of bizarre. And I think, I don't think medicine has the best history of using equations to, to make things personal for people. Like BMI, no. like it's also mm-hmm. problematic uh, trying to apply equations to people and having all this data and these numbers. Um, and this is also a broader conversation, but just like what health tracking is and there's a whole conversation happening about like the surveillance of people through health um and again not the best history in this country of trying to make policy decisions based on general health or the health of groups of people yeah so um yeah really interesting that the direction seems to be more tech and more numbers and more data personalization yeah even though we just don't have proof that that works right or that we're there yet another right. one is like the dna diets which i've oh, also written about what are those just like you can send in your 23 and me and they'll tell you like what you should eat and shouldn't eat but the evidence for that is so thin if uh-huh. you ask any it's called nutrigenomics that's uh-huh. like the study of how nutrition and your genes are related and uh-huh. it has like cool potential maybe in many many years we can talk about like oh if you have this gene maybe it does interact with this nutrient or Mm -hmm. whatever but right now like we're just nowhere near ready for that but these companies are swooping in and saying that we are so they can sell you something right (laughs) it's all about selling something yeah uh i've also been thinking a lot about and kind of related to this conversation about messaging um you mentioned that a lot of these companies are targeting influencers as ways to get these messages out. And as someone who is, spends way too much time on TikTok, more than anybody should, <laughs> um, that, that's a whole like side of it, like wellness talk or wealth, like that, or health TikTok. Yeah. And I've, I actually kind of took a spin through it just to see what is even out there. And it's just these really like, aesthetic like green is the color palette all the greens and trying to get all of that in there and trying to project this like super like I don't even have the words for it but just like green healthy organic and it's often people who just make that a hobby and not necessarily people who are qualified to talk about these things is one issue Um, and then there's just it's the same message over and over and over again and there's not a lot of well, let's think about it this way. This may not actually work for everybody. Um, so it, it's, I've been thinking a lot about how social media and the influencer culture has also been starting to take on wellness. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've been living in that for a while. So I'm curious when you say it's all the same message, like what is the message that you get from it? Uh, basically that I need to start my day with a smoothie every day <laughs> is the message. <laughs> and eat foods that I can't pronounce because they 
you know, were picked out of somebody's backyard this morning. Yeah. And that's the healthiest way to do it or the best way to do it. And that that'll make me the best person I can possibly be is if I start my day with a smoothie. Yeah, I am. So I do have a TikTok. I just started it a couple months ago. I'm not really on there, though. So most of my stuff is from Instagram. Mm -hmm. Makes me think I'm probably like five to ten years older than you. (laughs) I'm 33. Is that right? Yes, actually. Like spot on. (laughs) (laughs) Like I have a TikTok, but I don't really go on the TikTok. I call it the TikTok. The TikTok. Um, So, yeah, I think that's right. I like the way you said green, and I actually had it explained to me another way. I was interviewing a health policy person from Canada mm-hmm. about this really alarming pipeline of like wellness influencer to anti-vax conspiracy theorists, oh. which is definitely a thing. Yeah, and it's he explained the imagery as just like bright like Mm. all these like smiles and all this sunshine and natural light and like everyone's happy all the time people Mm. are literally like light-skinned and light-haired it's just like it's like kind of spiritual and like heavenly yeah but it's actually just all fear-based it's like this really positive seeming imagery but the messages are really kind of negative when you think about it it's like you are not good enough Mm. right now if you don't buy expensive stuff and eat foods you can't pronounce, like mm-hmm. you will die. Yeah. And and also like we can't this is a whole other thing. And I think this is sort of where the like wellness to anti vax comes in. Like we cannot trust big organizations or the government anymore. Like yeah. big pharma's trying to kill you. Yeah. The government's trying to kill you. You need to like do this all on your own with right. <laughs> they all recommend supplements, which yeah. are, it's funny to me, because that's like the most unregulated predatory right. industry ever. So they're like, do not take vaccines, but also buy these 17 supplements I sell right. in my store. Um, <laughs> it's always yeah, in their store. Always. Or it's like <laughs> they have a 15% off code, like at yeah. the end of every message about yeah. how like the man is bad and pharma is trying to kill you. It's like, yeah. buy my thing right. for like... Green Smoothie Gal yeah. 15. They're all selling either like a fitness plan or like a recipe book yeah. or something. Yeah. That, yeah. That's yeah. always the bottom line. Yeah. And it is. You're right. It's a lot of people who just have a certain aesthetic and don't have any experience or credentials or like real education and health. And I think they, it's especially bad in spaces that actual science hasn't figured out yet Mm. so people with the hormone related conditions like pcos Mm -hmm. and of course it's always not always but often things that predominantly affect women people with uteruses Mm -hmm. like because far less funding has gone into looking into that stuff Mm -hmm. so people will have pcos or be told by their doctor they have pcos and i'm just using that as an example Mm -hmm. and won't really get many answers because there aren't any and that sucks like Mm -hmm. that's really frustrating to have this thing going on in your body and for your doctor even a really great doctor who listens to you it's kind of like well we'll try this and see if it works and we might have to keep trying for a while and that feels awful Mm -hmm. I imagine and then some conventionally attractive influencer Mm -hmm. is like I had this exact same problem right and I fixed it myself right without medicine that's another thing that is like really applauded mm-hmm. yeah i think in our wellness culture like doing things without medicine mm-hmm. which is ridiculous but 
yeah, it's just so predatory and mm-hmm. awful. And they do. They do it under this guise of like, it's amazing. You can do it. Yeah. It's like this empowerment language when actually it's the opposite because they're selling you garbage that mm-hmm. doesn't work. Right. Right. I was laughing internally when <laughs> we were talking earlier about the aesthetic of it all because just for whatever reason, I associate these videos with like windows because there's always like the, the food things are always in front yeah. of like a window with like this bright beam of light coming in. So yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's immediately what I'm and there's one video in particular. There's one influencer who does everything in front of a window and I think it's for like the light and the mm-hmm. aesthetic and all of that. Um, but probably I think my least favorite like type of wellness influencer is the the ones that say, "Well, I did it so you can too." Yeah. And here's how I'm going to like inspire you to do it the way that I did it. Yeah. Cuz my thought is well, first of all, they don't actually ever tell people how they actually did it. <laughs> they just kind of keep putting out the same, like, I did it so you can too. I did it so you can too. But then also, like, what worked for you may not work for everyone else. We also don't know if you're actually telling the truth about what you did. Yeah. Um, so that in itself is very harmful. Yeah. And this is just this association of certain types of behaviors or ways of doing things with, like, this is good and this is bad. And there's not there's no gray area here. It's either you're a good person or you're a bad person. You, you do this good habit or this bad habit. You eat this good thing or this bad thing. And there's little gray, little gray area. It's just one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's and that's just not how it works at all. Yeah. And I think you're right. You, you say like they don't even tell you how they did it. I feel like they will if you pay them. Like right, that's kind of right. the trick. That's the thing. They're like, oh, I did it. You can do it. And for just $197, you can get my step-by-step, like minute-by-minute plan. Mm -hmm. I could tell you exactly how to live your life for 30 days or 90 days or whatever. Um, But yeah, like N equals one is not a comprehensive (laughs) study. And even a single study, I see them a lot like pointing to single studies Mm -hmm. that have sort of amazing or surprising results like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh this study showed that mushrooms cure alzheimer's disease or something Mm -hmm. and it's like that's not that's not like a revolutionary study that's just an outlier Mm -hmm. if you look at the body of research and that is another thing that i think the general public doesn't necessarily understand Mm -hmm. and wellness influencers don't understand or they're choosing not to Mm -hmm. um but yeah like a single study doesn't prove something Mm -hmm. it's just like one entry into the thousands of studies that have been done on this particular topic and if one study goes against everything else that has been said Mm -hmm. it's not amazing it's probably wrong (laughs) (laughs) right so not to i I don't want to spend our whole time talking about influencers (laughs) because i think messages come from a lot of different places Mm -hmm. about health and wellness and what that means Mm -hmm. and I've also been thinking about the messages we get from just the social spaces that we move through or the yeah. people that we're around. Um, and specifically, like, I, I think a lot about just, like, messages that we get from our parents or from our families as we're growing up about what wellness is and how to be, you know, our best selves or how to be healthy. And that also is important to think about and pl- yeah. plays a large role in, I think, how we come to our relationship with whatever health and wellness is as we grow up and yeah. as we become adults and live our lives. Yeah, I think that's true. And like, it's definitely culturally 
different. Mm-hmm. I mean, like different cultures have different ways of thinking about bodies and mm-hmm. health. But I, I was thinking about this the other day in sort of another context. Um, but I think our parents, they want us to be healthy. Mm-hmm. They want the best for us. They also want us to fit in mm-hmm. because it's easier mm-hmm. that way in a sense. Like you're less likely to get bullied mm-hmm. if you, you know, like it just is when you're younger, yeah. like it's a little bit easier to fit in. And I think that's true for like so many things, like the harmful things that parents can do to kids about like suppressing parts of their identity or mm-hmm. like demonizing their bodies and trying to make them smaller and more like quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. It's, really traumatizing but it's also (laughs) it comes from this place of like just wanting the kid to fit in yeah and I think wellness health is like that too Mm -hmm. like they just want they want kids to be thin Mm -hmm. and play sports and like be I I don't even know I think that's really it like they want kids to be thin I think that is by far sort of the overwhelming message not just from parents but from doctors and yeah yeah for sure i don't know if anyone's kind of sat down and and mapped this out but i feel like every or i've heard that almost like every generation has a thing like health wise like Mm. there was like the it's not as big anymore but there was like a whole like weight watchers generation and there was a whole like like people talk about um like the early 2000s like celebrity culture was like literally like to be rail thin yeah. was the norm yeah and how d- damaging that was um and so uh again not the expert haven't gone back so far like i don't know what the thing was in the 50s 60s 70s so on but that that observation was interesting to me and so and now i don't know if this time period or generation but it's starting to move into a little bit more body neutrality, body positivity, yeah. things like that. Um, but again, always kind of evolving, always changing. Yeah. 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 I was like a middle schooler and high schooler in the 2000s, and that definitely was. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it was like really, really thin celebrities, and yeah. there wasn't much. I think wellness was not quite a thing then. Mm-hmm. It was more just thinness. Mm-hmm. And then I would say in the 2010s, it was – it like really shifted to wellness, although mm-hmm. it was still 100% about thinness. Mm-hmm. It was just, oh, maybe that's like not PC to say anymore right. that we want everyone to be thin. So it was all about like Michael Pollan and clean eating and farm to table, mm-hmm. like being this real, like health is virtue yeah. kind of thing. Like the, the whole morality thing that you kind of mentioned, the mm-hmm. foods that you can't pronounce. And yeah, mm-hmm. now it is, ah, oh, yeah, I feel the body neutrality stuff is coming mm-hmm. and it's there. Yeah. But it certainly hasn't made its way to like mainstream celebrity culture. And there mm-hmm. are still, I think now we're at a point where the mainstream is like, oh yeah, body neutral if mm. you're within a certain body. Right. Like it's okay to accept your body unless you're in a very big one. Right. And then like, well, that's not okay. But it's not because we're assholes. It's right. because we care about your health. Right. But that, is, no, that is kind of an asshole thing to say yeah. because that's not really right. Like you right. can be healthy in different size bodies and you're not necessarily healthy because you're thin and like many people get less healthy when they try to lose weight. And so that conversation is there, but that conversation I think is still a little more fringe. Yeah. Whereas the body neutrality conversation, body acceptance that's in the mainstream 
but there are many qualifiers to yeah, it now. Absolutely. Um, no, it's the body positive if is absolutely true because uh, yeah. like I've seen like, oh, it's like body positive if you still have like a discernible waist. Like you're big, yeah. but you still have a discernible like hourglass. Totally. You still have some kind of figure. Totally. Um, so there's there's a lot of variation within that and qualifiers that people put on it that is just bizarre <laughs> yeah right it's like the same body just bigger just, but yeah, like the proportions bigger. are the same right yes <laughs> and science i mean it's interesting because science is biased too right mm-hmm. like the stuff that we choose to research and there was that whole thing i'm sure it's still happening but it was really big when mm-hmm. they were like oh actually mm-hmm. it's okay to weigh more exactly what you said yeah. as long as like your hip to waist ratio is a certain way right. like Oh, it's okay to be in a bigger body, but not have a bigger waist. Right. Like, right, right. but only if it's in your butt. <laughs> right. Um, so I, again, spend way too much time on social media, but this p- conversation has popped up again like, in the last 24 hours because, or that I've seen in, in certain spaces, because there was a sort of prominent, like, you know those like dude podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, there's no real other way to talk about oh, them. You should see your face while you're saying that. <laughs> the, the dude casters. Yeah. Uh, so this one in particular had a reputation for kind of policing women's bodies and women's health and talking about what was healthy and what was not, specifically to black women, but just in general. Um, and then irony of all ironies he actually passed away in like yesterday of a heart attack in his 50s and so people have been kind of pointing out like this was somebody who made a career out of talking about health and preaching this is healthy this is not this type of body it's valuable like these people are not healthy Mm -hmm. but like the universe literally just showed us and the people who were listening to his message that this is a person who's presumably healthy and is putting out all these ideas passed away suddenly of of a heart attack yeah and so is this that i think i've been thinking about it just because it's so recent yeah and people have again these are the kinds of things that always bring up this conversation again um and people have been pointing that out specifically is like see like you you clearly weren't the best judge of what was healthy if and this is obviously not to disparage someone who just passed away, but it's thinking about how people are taking this and bringing it into this conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's really fucking random sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> health stuff. Truly. It really like, is. I have known someone who got lung cancer and like never smoked a cigarette and was yeah. like the most like vegetable eating person, yeah. athletic person ever. Mm-hmm. And it is random. It's also there's some randomness, but there are things that are not random that Mm -hmm. are systemic that are just out of your control. So like how you grew up, how much money you have, like what your childhood Mm -hmm. trauma was, all the ACEs, ACE scores, that's like a huge thing. And yeah, I mean, the environment that you live in, the physical, literal environment, environment. um, your access to health care and preventative health care. I mean, there's, and I guess some of those things are maybe sort of in your control, Mm -hmm. but wellness with a capital W, like wellness culture tries to tell you that like this stuff is very much more in your control than it actually is. And I feel like, yeah, that is a good example of that. Like maybe this guy actually was doing everything that even the good evidence says that you should do, but who knows if he was or he wasn't. Right. But like, 
Yeah, you can still die of a heart attack in your 50s. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I, like, the world quite literally happens to us sometimes. Yeah. And we don't have as much control over anything as much as, like, me knowing that I walk 10,000 steps a day doesn't change the <laughs> fact that, that I could get it by a meteor yeah. when I walk outside my door. Um, well, that does seem <laughs> unlikely. That does seem unlikely, but... You know, let's change meteor to car, and it's the same yeah. thing. Like it's, it, there's a lot that happens to us that is out of our control. <laughs> um, I'd love to talk a little bit more about the issue of access, mm-hmm. um, just because as a sociologist, it's something that I think about a lot. Yeah. Um, like everything down to when you were saying the environmental stuff, like certain neighborhoods are more likely to have waste plants in them yeah. than others. And there's a whole kind of history of that. Um, but access is one thing, especially to healthy foods, food deserts, things yeah. like that. That's a whole conversation. And then I'd love to hear about how these conversations come up in your own work mm-hmm. now that you do. Um, yeah, we can yeah. tackle one or the other. Let's talk about both. I mean, let's talk about access. And I feel like I'm not actually the best person to talk about this, but I can talk some. And we both went to grad school. I mean, you're still in grad school, but in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I, at least my degree was in public health. Mm -hmm. So we talked a lot about environmental stuff. And Mm -hmm. one of the big things is like, yeah, they put pig farms in historically black communities. And they are disgusting basically there's like these horrible smells Mm -hmm. all this awful runoff and people can't really afford to move or do anything about it and that does really negatively impact your health and Mm. yeah it's like all these little things that just add up but in terms of food access it matters a lot Mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't have it and that number is growing so it kind of makes me nuts to see all these wellness influencers talking about like the absolute minutia yeah. of health, like is broccoli better than kale? <laughs> when like most people can't eat the fruits and vegetables that they want to eat, right? right? Like none of that stuff matters. First of all, it, I don't think it matters if you eat broccoli or kale, mm-hmm. even if you want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you can't access that food, then like who cares about any of the other stuff so it does like the conversation around what we should eat just sort of seems ridiculous when we do have some idea Mm -hmm. of like what a nutritious diet is and that could be a whole other episode Mm -hmm. but but people can't do that and it's partly because of like financial and physical access like Mm -hmm. food deserts I know some people don't like that term because it is kind of stigmatizing and like puts the blame in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. But we're actually in a food desert right now. Um, Yeah. I am in like the Southeast corner of downtown Raleigh and there, this is the first time I've ever lived somewhere. I'm like, Oh, there is not like, I cannot walk to a grocery store. I used to live in New York, so Mm -hmm. I guess that's different, but yeah. Like the nearest grocery store is 10 minutes away by car. Wow. Which is kind of long. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are like little corner stores and yeah. dollar stores, but that's not a grocery store. Right. And like, to me, that's not a big deal. But if you don't have a car, like, what do you do? Right. And I don't think people realize I've mapped this. Like I had to do this for school, uh-huh. sort of like the grocery stores in Raleigh. And it is wild to see like wow. everything when you go north and west Mm -hmm. it's so many Mm -hmm. and it's all the same it's like Harris Teeter and all the same chains like really close to each other 
And then when you're in the South and the East, there's just not much. And there's mm-hmm. like maybe a food lion scattered over here, right. but not a lot of grocery stores. Right. Um, so that is a huge deal and a huge barrier. And it's not just getting food. It's like cooking it. Yeah. I mean, fresh food takes longer to cook and it takes more equipment and it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I even struggle to do that and I don't have any kids and I have a lot of time yeah. and I can like go get that stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just the idea that it is all a choice and it's all possible mm-hmm. if you just want it enough, which is like such an American yeah. thing. Um is absurd. Yeah. <laughs> the time thing is such a it's so true um because even i just i just had my last week of school last week Mm -hmm. so this is my first week where i'm kind of a free agent out Mm -hmm. in the world and the i've actually cooked meals for myself this week (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and it takes a lot of time it really does and i time that i don't have a lot of the time in the middle of a semester when i have twenty thousand things going on just within school never mind everything else that i do outside of school yeah um and it's been it's always kind of revelatory for me when I transitioned back into kind of a slower period. It's like, wow, this, these things take time. They take consideration, planning. Um, it, it takes standing in my kitchen for hours that I sometimes don't have in the middle of a busy week. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to point out is um, you're coming from New York. I'm actually from Massachusetts. Okay. So I grew up on the North Shore, kind of going in and out of Boston. The infrastructure isn't always in place in terms of transportation. Um, cause I have tried to take the Durham bus to places and it's not always consistent and it's yeah. not always on time and they don't go everywhere. Yeah. So there's a lot of little dominoes also that if you want to sort of start with the supermarkets, but then go to back to transportation and time and all of these little things, it yeah. all kind of ties together. Yeah. Right. There's a lot. And yes, time is such a big thing. And imagine, I mean, there's a reason why like stay at home caretaker, stay at home parent, that's like a full time job mm-hmm. plus. And if you're in, you know, like a single parent household or like a household where two parents work and you have kids, like it's unless you can pay someone else to cook for you or like get takeout every day or mm-hmm. afford frozen stuff or blue apron and things like that. Like it's really that's like almost impossible to yeah, do. For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, and then I also love that you noted that there's cultural differences, mm-hmm. too. Um, so I'm Dominican actually, okay. and it's really interesting to me because we, like a lot of the f- foods and things like that that the influencers promote and that are just kind of associated with like healthiness are not things that I grew up eating. Yeah, they're not things that people even really eat in my culture. Like broccoli is not <laughs> a thing. Yeah, <laughs> Good carrots like just certain culinary things that we just don't use in the foods that we make yeah so that's uh just speaking from my own experience is always really interesting as well because i i can't even imagine seeing like a kale leaf (laughs) (laughs) like it doesn't fit in my mind yeah (laughs) and i'm sure you could get it it would just be very expensive and probably not very fresh yeah so there's all that's another kind of element that just i just think about a lot is just those differences yeah i think that's a big conversation and like i'm not the best person to weigh in on that either because i'm just another white person (laughs) talking about nutrition Uh but yeah there are a lot of i like a lot of black and you know other people of color who are in the health space talking about specifically nutrition like and 
it they do talk a lot about that. How mm-hmm. like your cultural foods can are part of a healthy diet. Right. Whatever healthy means. Right. But yeah, like traditional cultures evolved for a reason. Yeah. And pretty much all of them have like all the elements that you need to be healthy because right. that's just how it works. Right. Like that's why food cultures are passed on and on and on because right. they kept people alive. Exactly. Um, but yes, 100%. And it's, yeah, it's very white. Wellness culture is very white. Yeah. And it's even like, it's just, it's like a culture of its own. Yeah. Like, absolutely. I don't know actually where acai comes from. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's from South America. I that's sort of the too. way that they market it. But yeah. 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 Like, um, I always find conversations about rice fascinating. Yeah. Um, cause I grew up on, like, it's the, it's just the base of your meal is rice. Um, and more than half the world probably has a diet that is based on rice as part of the meal. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is one of the things that I think people have, people, I think we're coming back to it a little bit, but there was a conversation for a while about rice and whether it's good or bad mm-hmm. and, and like you shouldn't have it and what kinds making cauliflower into yeah. rice. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And how that's sort of like a non-starter. I think yeah. when that is the basis of every meal, like yeah. someone tells you you can't eat rice and you're like, well, I guess I'm just not going to be healthy right. then, which isn't true. And that's a bad, right. Yeah. It's a bad precedent to set. I've heard that from people yeah. um, that I've heard it from other dietitians especially because another thing is language, right? So like if you're a Spanish speaking person and your doctor or dietitian or whoever is seeing you nurse Mm -hmm. doesn't speak Spanish and like maybe tries to speak broken Spanish to Mm -hmm. you or just gives you a handout, like so much is going to get lost in translation. And you might walk out of there being like, oh, I can't eat rice anymore because that's all they can sort of figure out how to communicate to you. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge problem. So yeah, there are people... You know, like people with diabetes, I think that's the biggest one. Like yeah. you go to the doctor, you're scared and they're like, well, I don't really know how to communicate the nuances to you because I don't speak your language because we don't have enough providers in this country that do speak your language, which right. is a problem. And so I'm just going to tell you to like not eat rice anymore, right. which is <laughs> bonkers. Yeah. I dare you to tell my father he can't eat rice with <laughs> <to> this meal. <laughs> well, right. And that's what happened. So they're well. just like, well, I don't trust this person. Right. Like this person doesn't understand me, which is true. Yeah. And then it just like completely breaks down. For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, and then the last thing I wanted to touch on, again, to pivot a little bit, is how this comes up in your work. And to pull a line again from your fabulous website is you write that your mission is to help people tune out and sort of the terrible and false reasoning that exists um, or the messaging that exists about nutrition and health and body size. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could talk a little bit to that and how it comes up in your work. Ooh. Yeah. I don't even remember writing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but that is what I do. Right. I think really what we try to do, and that's sort of the beauty of individual stuff is mm-hmm. that like, it's about you, the mm-hmm. individual. And it's like, I'm there for guidance. I can debunk the bullshit stuff, Mm -hmm. but ultimately it's like, well, what is, what is going to work for you? Like so many people. So I do eating disorder recovery Mm -hmm. and I do intuitive eating, which is like, you know, getting stop quitting your diet and getting back in tune with like what you actually want and like, Mm -hmm. and that is really hard for people. And I think people think that like not dieting anymore and like tuning that stuff out is going to be the hardest part, but it's not Mm -hmm. like, you can surround yourself with 
those messages and read that stuff and mm-hmm. really like it's pretty clear when you start digging in that like oh diets like diets don't work dieting mm-hmm. doesn't work but then once you do that it's like well what's next like how do I listen to my body right because we're like not encouraged to do that no at all so it's really jarring to people where they're like actually don't know what I want to eat mm-hmm. I have no idea like when to start or stop eating because I've always just like eaten based on what someone else told me to do. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of that. And it's a lot of like just really slowly and gently and non-judgmentally figuring it out Mm -hmm. and like being curious, like, well, how did you feel when you ate that thing Mm -hmm. or like when you ate the other thing? And yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it. But the other part is the fact that food is this huge presence in our lives. And we've kind of touched on it, but like people with families, it's harder because yeah. like, what if you have two kids that are picky and a spouse that is also picky and mm-hmm. you're the woman. So traditionally you are the one responsible for feeding everyone. Right. And like, you're kind of resentful maybe as you should be because <laughs> it's annoying. You have a job too. Right. right. Um, so that's a whole other layer to it that mm-hmm. I think doesn't you can't really learn that from social media or right. even books like how how does this work for your particular family dynamic and how also can you kind of like I mean I think radical acceptance is part of it too can you just accept maybe that this is your reality right now and maybe mm-hmm. like you know you don't get to eat what you want all the time but you can still eat in a way that is less stressful and that works and there's just so much mm-hmm. that goes into what we eat and why right. and feeding ourselves and others. Absolutely. And I think that ties back into what you said at the beginning when I asked you to define wellness. Is there's, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot that goes into it. It's yeah. not just what's on the plate in front of you and when and what you eat. It's, yeah. It, there's so much to it. And there's so many things that tie together. Right. And like you have to keep the stress about it to a minimum because yeah. that is going to ruin wellness. Like mm. if you're too stressed out about wellness, yeah. it just completely defeats the purpose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it really does. It really does. <laughs> it, and does everything despite <laughs> the stress of it. And I think it is stressful. Uh-huh. It's so stressful. <laughs> oh, especially when, again, the association with like I'm doing things the right way or uh-huh. This is this, this will make me a good person if I do things this way. Right. This will give me exactly what I want out right. of all my life if I just right. eat. Like my life will kale. be fixed if I do this. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then it, it it doesn't help seeing things like like it's been in the the news this week that uh, like for the Met Gala like Kim Kardashian lost uh-huh. something like what 16, 17 uh-huh. pounds in like three weeks and it's ridiculous. It's <laughs> that that is something that's had people kind of in conversation in a slight uproar this week <sighs> as well. I know. And, oh, that just sucks. And, like, it is her body. You know, she can do whatever she wants. But I think it's also not fair to say that without caveating that, like, she has a lot of power. Yeah. And it's not really just about her. Mm -hmm. And she sort of signed that contract when she became, like, this one of the most famous people in the world, Mm -hmm. like, with reality TV. Like, literally, it's her mm-hmm. life that makes her famous. So, like, yeah, she's sharing with other people. Like, she does have some responsibility yeah. for that, especially if she's talking about, like, body autonomy and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's icky. It's just icky on so many levels. Yeah, and just the way people have been running with that too. It's mm-hmm. like it's like the headline mm-hmm. is of so many of the articles around yeah. Mecca, or specifically around what she wore and things like that. Um, not great. No. <laughs> not great at all. Is there anything else that we that you would like to touch on or talk about I that I haven't asked so. you about? We pretty much covered it all. Okay. Um, well, I want to ask you my fun question now, because I end all my interviews on a fun question. Okay. Which is, um, if you could have a billboard anywhere you wanted and it could say anything you wanted, what would you put on it and where would it be? And feel free to take some time to think about it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, you just get a billboard. Um, <laughs> well, I would not put my face on it because no. I am not that kind of wellness influencer. Um, I think, and this is sort of like the theme that I've been running with. It's the name of my newsletter. It's the name of my future uh-huh. podcast that has not started yet. But, yeah. like, just quit your diet. Ah, okay. I like and that. I think it would just be that. Okay. And I don't – where would it be? I mean, I'm, like – You can also have multiple, like, if you want to sprinkle oh, it around. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think I would love a billboard in Times Square just because oh, I live in New York. And yeah. so why not? I mean, sure. if you want the most possible people to see it. Yeah. Maybe we'd put it, like, under the Hollywood sign, too. Ooh. <laughs> That's a perfect or place over for it. the Hollywood sign. Over the Hollywood sign. sign. Um, because that means anything. And I just, I really, really strongly feel that like, yeah, once you're able to sort of let that stuff go, the Mm -hmm. diet stuff, like so much other stuff opens up when you realize like, oh my God, I've been lied to. That's not true. Like, I don't have to do that. Like what else have I been lied to about? Right. And you just like go down this whole rabbit hole and life (laughs) just gets so much better when you're like, I could do what I want. Yeah. Tell a web of lies. Mm -hmm. Break free from the web of lies. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I thank you for your having time today. me. I hope you had fun. I had fun. It was a great conversation. I did. <laughs> great. Wait, before you hit pause or go to another podcast or another song or go on with your day, hold on a second. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Before you go, please make sure you subscribe, follow, rate, and review so that you can receive new episode notifications as soon as they're released. I would also really appreciate it if you'd follow Social Deconstruction on Instagram and Twitter. You can find more information about the show and the episodes on www.socialdeconstructionpod.com. And you can email socialdeconstructionpod at gmail.com with any questions or comments you may have about anything you hear in these episodes. Thank you so much again for tuning in. Catch you next time.